Well, good evening, everybody. Nice to see you, most of you. I'm still nervous about the live streaming thing. It's a wonderful deal, but you have to start right at the second. Otherwise, if there are people, look, I'm talking about you who are viewing us. It, it, otherwise, if you're not where you're supposed to be on time, people are just looking at a blank screen and uh, you lose your salvation and terrible things happen. So, so I'm a little nervous, but okay, here we go. We're, are you doing okay? Well, good. Nice to see everybody. Uh, wonderful to be together again. Let's see, what should we uh, talk about tonight? Why don't, we, why don't we talk about first and most important things first? Wait a, <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. And there's also a Bible lesson to follow. But come on, folks. Look, so last week I tried to be tricky and relate pictures of this cute little baby to the message. I did it quite clumsily. You pointed that out. And so I decided tonight, why try to deceive you? I just want you to see this little cutie. So he's nine days old today. There he is, still unemployed, but he has great potential. So this is Aaron Jesse. Did I tell you? about the significance of his middle name. Let's do this, because I haven't prepared anything for tonight. So Jesse uh, is the name of his other granddad, Jesse Outlaw. Some of you may know of him. And Jesse Outlaw went to be with the Lord three months to the day of Aaron's birth. And Jesse Outlaw uh, is one of the most devoted uh, fathers and husbands and granddads and believers I ever met. You know him? Oh, of course you do. So I'm not exaggerating. Jesse, one of the best uh, guys, and to be connected to him through marriage is nothing but a great great, great privilege, and we miss him. And so this little cutie, Aaron, bears his name. And we will pray that he lives up to his granddad's devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, and I don't know if I told you this. He was born on the day of his grandmother's birthday. Her name is Erlene Outlaw. She's a doll. These are, these are tremendous people. And so Aaron was born, and, and she took it to be really a gift from God. She misses, understandably, uh, her Jesse, and God gave her another Jesse on her very birthday. So very, very significant. We, we hope this little kid can live up to that, that good name. So uh, let's see. What should we talk about now? Um, is your head spinning with all of the stuff happening, information on, on every side of every issue, you know, vaccines, should you, should you not, and all kinds of very passionate opinions, and politics and economics and all the rest. My head, this guy, I'm reminded of this guy. This, this, this guy, 
I feel like this guy. I, it's just such a glut of information. And um, very few things seem to be clear to me today. And that makes me unsettled. I just feel unsettled and uncertain. Uh, if you ask me to characterize the day, I would say to me, it's just characterized by uncertainties. So I've been thinking, but what is there that is certain? What is there that we can rest upon? It's not subject to opinion or votes or anything like that. It's this. Uh, the Lord's loving kindness says, indeed, never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So I ask you a question. Who spoke those words? Anybody know? Oh, good. So you'll learn something tonight. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Of course, God moved him to speak these words, but he did. Jeremiah spoke these words. And here's what's intriguing to me. He made this statement under the most awful of circumstances. Talk about unsettledness, uncertainty, and upheaval. All those things characterize Jeremiah's day just as they do our day. In fact, Jeremiah recorded this uh, very clear declaration in a book called, would you like to guess? Lamentations. No, it's okay. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Lamentations. Why is it called Lamentations? Because the book contains laments. What is a lament? It's a loud cry of anguish and pain. In the midst of all that, Jeremiah is giving me 2,600 years later and you something to cling to. In the midst of a day laden with changes every day so that your head spins, he's saying this much you can count on. And I, he has my attention because he's not in a comfortable environment at all. He's one that mirrors ours today. In fact, the five chapters of Lamentations have been referred to by someone as a poem of pain. A poem of pain. Of pain. Jeremiah is living through the anguish of his day. In fact, he's known as the weeping prophet. He's a real man and was unashamed about weeping. He wept at what he saw. He's weeping at what he is experiencing. He's weeping at what his nation has become. Can you relate? That's what he's doing. In fact, he was known to walk through the streets of the capital of his nation 2,600 years ago, Jerusalem, and just cry unashamedly, uncontrollably. That's how bad it, he was the weeping prophet. His world was changing, so is ours. His, I think you might say, like ours, was changing, but not for the better. In fact, in his day, one empire was being replaced by another. The changes were rapid fire, but they weren't good. Babylon, led by an egomaniacal, narcissistic, 
a dictator named Nebuchadnezzar was bent on world domination. That's what characterized Jeremiah's world. And so Nebuchadnezzar, uh, unprovoked, attacked Jerusalem. There, Washington, D.C. was the capital city of Israel then and now. The attack took place in 586 B.C. And Jerusalem was set ablaze. It was horrific. The holy, beautiful, magnificent temple was uh, destroyed. Uh, Famine set through the land. Many people lost their lives and many others were carried off into exile. Can you imagine it? Pulled out of your home and mooring points to be brought to an entirely strange nation. Different people, different foods, different language with no hope of a return to familiar territory. Can you see why Jeremiah had to express all this in a book called Lamentations. And everyone was rattled and filled with such dismay and hopelessness that they began to ask this question. Has God abandoned us? Have you asked that question? Don't be ashamed. We're just human Even Christians are human. Oh, God, have you abandoned us? They asked that. They needed hope for the obvious reason. They had become increasingly hopeless. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, needed a source of hope. And so he found it uh, from these truths. The unceasing love of God. The unfailing compassion of God and the unchanging faithfulness of God. I want for us to feast on these words, if you don't mind, found in a mere two verses in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Notice the first words, the Lord's loving kindnesses. Now here, it just has the singular, loving kindness, uh, but in the Hebrew, it's in the plural, loves or loving kindnesses. That's the way it's written. Why? It's a kind of plural of intensity. The people's sin was intense, but God's great loves was intensely greater. Jeremiah latched onto it. He was looking for a mooring point, a rock, an emotional foundation to see him through a horrifically difficult, devastating day. And he attached himself to this truth. The Lord's loving kindness, as it's the Hebrew word chesed. You see it there on the bottom. That's the word chesed. It's such a power-packed word, C-H-E. S-E-D. It simply means that God will forever steadfastly stick by the people with whom he has entered into a personal relationship. It's the kind of covenant love which, under ideal circumstances, we can see portrayed in a covenant of marriage. 
doesn't always work that way. I understand that. That's why I said under ideal circumstances. It's a kind of marital love. In fact, your Bible may translate it quite accurately, steadfast love. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a volume of love that remains undiminished in spite of the circumstances. You know, I was thinking, uh, perhaps the most painful statement any of us could ever hear uh, from a loved one is, I do not love you anymore. Devastating. Uh, But Israel, though she wondered about it, will never hear that statement from God, nor will you and I, his new covenant people. We'll never hear God say, that's it, I've had enough. Your sin has exceeded my grace. You've crossed the line. I do not love you anymore. No, 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 no. The very word chesed disputes all that. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never fail. That's the teaching. God never stopped loving Israel, though he would have been justified in so doing. Israel, perhaps the most spiritually privileged people group in the history of humankind, squandered her privileges. And in fact, her sin was at least in part due to the fact that she was now being oppressed by a cruel dictator named Nebuchadnezzar. Israel knew this. God certainly was aware of it. He would be surely justified in saying, that's it, I'm transferring my love from you an unlovely partner to someone more attractive but you don't get that the word chesed disputes all that look no further it's a steadfast love that will not let you go it's a love that has nothing to do with the object of the love therefore it can't be diminished by our increasing unloveliness it has to do with God's sovereign choice it's a manifestation of his outrageous irrational inexplicable love which he chooses to deposit upon those with whom he is in a covenant relationship. It's his steadfast love. What's more, we know later on, God in fact restored this people, now carried off into Babylonian captivity. History and the Bible tells us they were able to return to their land and God restored them and blessed them again. The reason why, in my opinion, it's so important for we, the church, to be right about Israel is that as God has been with Israel, so too he is with us. If you think Israel's sin at a certain point exceeded God's grace, then my question to you is, when is yours going to exceed his grace? And don't you see, as we see the record of God's dealings with Israel, we get a picture of the character of Almighty God, and we find eternal security, if you will. If ever God would be justified in relinquishing his tie to a people group, it would be the Jews, but he has not. And that gives us security and assurance that he will not turn his back on the church either, in spite of the fact that the church historically has not been much better than Israel, let me tell you. Read the history of the church. We're not so hot, folks. It's all about God's chesed love. And Jeremiah was feasting on it. I think he stopped reading and listening to the news for a little while. I think he said, I'm being overcome. It's choking me. It's quenching the spirit of God in me. I'm existentially depressed. I'm just depressed about existence. 
I have got to run to the word of God. And then he reads this first phrase, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never fails. His loves, plural, never see. There's more. His compassions never fail. That's what the text says next. His compassions never fail. Look, compassions also in the plural. His loves and his compassions. Again, the plural of intensity. As great is our sin, God's loves and compassion greatly, intensely exceed even the seriousness of our sin. And in this case, the word for compassions, or maybe your Bible says mercies, which is also a very valid translation. The Hebrew word is this one, rachamim, rachamim. The I-M ending is plural. That tells you it's a plural word. Compassions or mercies, rachamim. I'll tell you why uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this particular um, word. Its root uh, is from the Hebrew word for womb, W-O-M-B, womb. And, and what's happening here is God's love for his covenant people is being likened um, to uh, uh, a woman whose child is in wombed. Any normal woman, one without pathology, is already bonding to the life she's carrying, the enwombed life. It's a kind of inexplicable kind of a bond uh, that it's a motherly kind of love. And God is saying, though he is Father God, I have a mother's love for you. I have a womb-like love for you. Look, at he's saying this to Israel, and they, they were not very attractive. Uh, uh, therefore, it surely applies uh, to Christians who know the Lord Jesus today. It's a womb-like kind of uh, uh, compassion for those in a personal relationship with Almighty God. Now, this is huge, folks, because you see the destruction of Jeremiah's capital city, uh, Jerusalem, and the subjugation of his people by an ungodly political leader was due, at least in part, to their own sin, you see? So they would have been right to think, ah, it's over for us. This is the consequence of our rebelliousness against Almighty. Now, they're right, but it's not a final word at all. His loves and compassions, they don't end, they don't change, uh, they do not fail. Many of God's people would wonder if he had left them to their own destruction. Jeremiah is crying out, no, no, a thousand times, no. The Lord's loving kindness says, indeed never cease, and what's more, his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. I don't want to stretch the application to our day, but if you're distressed, you ought to be, about some of the developments in our day, uh, I hope you're willing to say, at least in part, it's due to us, the church. Unregenerated people out there, in my opinion, are not to be so uh, sorely criticized because unregenerated people are acting like it. 
they're saying and doing unregenerated things, which is quite consistent with their unregenerated state. But we are regenerated people, oftentimes acting like unregenerated people. That's a big problem. So I think at least in part, the uh, dilemma we find ourselves in today, not just nationwide, but internationally, perhaps is due to the fact that the church has ceased to be holy, uh, salt and light, but rather comfortable and compromised. And maybe a loving God is saying uh, to us what he said to Israel. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I'm not bent on destruction, but I am bent on discipline. Uh, and so he turned up the burner uh, with regard to Israel. And I think he's turning up the burner with regard to us. Now, uh, folks, I'm not some sadistic, crazy guy who is saying, bring it on. You know, let's let things get worse. Isn't it great? But I am saying, I think God can use all that's happening to refine and purify the church. Uh, so that we stop dividing over collateral matters. We keep the essentials, the you know, we spoke about that a little bit last week. Uh, I don't want to divide from another Christian over political points of view or even party affiliation. You're, you're entitled to your wrong opinions about those things. I don't want to divide. Christians are having fights now about whether to get the COVID vaccine or not. Come on, guys. Come on. Do you think we have the luxury to do that? We're coming increasingly under fire. I wonder if all that is going to cause in us a deeper appreciation for our fellowship. We have Christ in common. Could I tell you something that made me get me fired? I don't care if you're a Calvinist or an Arminian. I really don't. I don't care enough to divide from you. I don't care what your point of view is with regard to charismatic gifts. I don't care what you think about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I, I, I do care. But not so much that I don't want anything to do with you. Two groups of people, those who have the son and those who don't. I'm even willing to be friends with a Lutheran. That's my Lutheran friend right there. <laughs> Folks, we're the body of Christ. Let's not let the world divide us for crying out loud. We have got to get closer to one another because we have Christ in uh, common. So uh, uh, Jeremiah's rejoicing over the plurality of God's loves and compassions, and then he makes the statement, you see, that they are, they're new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. So uh, I'll tell you what's so cool about that. God's supply of love and compassion and mercy, it's new every day to those who are his. So at night, you get physically tired, right? Your body needs rest. If you're fortunate and have a good night's sleep, by the way, do you know sleep disorders are really on the rise? Stress, anxiety, all the rest. I think we could do better in managing that, particularly as believers, but it's a subject for another day. But let's say under ideal circumstances, your body is tired and you're able to get to sleep. And so uh, if you've slept well, you wake up renewed and refreshed. That's the idea here. God's mercies, his compassions are like that. You may think you have exhausted them today, but you will find a fresh supply of God's mercies tomorrow. That's the idea. It's an inexhaustible supply. So since this is true, you and I can get up at the dawn of each day saying, 
This is a fresh start with me and Almighty God. Uh, you can say yesterday, oh God, I didn't do so good. I lost my temper. I did this. I watched what I shouldn't watch. I said what I shouldn't have said. I didn't represent you well. You could do that. Now forget about it. Get up. It's a fresh start because his loves and compassions are absolutely new every day. Do you like this? Pomegranates. Have you had those? Really, really good. In the Middle East, they eat it, but in a lot of places, they eat it. Um, interesting sidelight. The rabbis, our rabbis, say that each pomegranate, you see those little those seeds? They're real tasty, sweet, like fruit. The rabbis say there are 613 of them in every pomegranate, one for each of the laws they identify for us in the Hebrew Scriptures. To which I say... Get a life. Come on, man. That's just reading. Anyway, here's the point. <laughs> really good. And it's supposed to be healthy and all the rest. So my wife got them at HEB of all places not too long ago. So I'm just ready to go for it. It's pomegranate time. So I opened one up and uh, bit into it. It was horrible sour it was it was like toxic because we ate it after long after the expiration date the magical expiration date so here's what i was thinking what jeremiah declared tells me what he declared about god's loves and compassions being new every morning implies they have no expiration date don't you see? It's never old. It's never toxic. It never is diminished. We are. Our faithfulness, our devotion, I got all that. But God's loves and compassion have no expiration date. When you wake up, you meet up with a new supply of God's loves and compassions. They will always be there for you. So what will our tomorrow be like? What... Uh, what will our tomorrow be like with regard to our nation, with regard to our health, our finances? What will tomorrow be like with regard to our children and cute little grandchildren? The answer, of course, is we do not know. But we can know this. Tomorrow, we will meet up with God's tomorrow mercies. That's the promise we're reading about here by Jeremiah. You see, they're new every morning. So we are to live today by God's supply of loves and mercies, knowing that tomorrow will bring a fresh supply. So I'll tell you what we're doing. I know you're doing it because I am too. I am letting my mind go into tomorrow. That's called anxiety and worry. It's an anticipation of uh, catastrophe. I'm worried about eventualities that haven't happened. They may, but they haven't happened. And in the process of doing it, I'm letting my mind take me out of today and into tomorrow. That doesn't make sense, does it? I'm trying to discipline myself to re remind myself that my mind, my thoughts ought to stay where my body happens to be. My body happens to be in Wednesday. Therefore, I want to try to keep my thoughts in Wednesday. I don't want my body to be in Wednesday, but my thoughts to be worrying about Thursday. 
Why? Because I may not even get to Thursday. Uh, Second, Thursday will bring a fresh supply of God's mercies and compassions for the day. Now, if I let my mind go into tomorrow, I am diminishing uh, the God-intended effect of his mercies and compassions for today. And we're having a diminished experience of God's supply today because we are allowing our minds to take us into tomorrow. I didn't say we shouldn't plan uh, and be prepared. I didn't say that. I'm talking about a preoccupation with future potential eventualities. Uh, That is uh, causing us not to realize the full impact of today's mercies and compassions and uh, to forget about the fact that tomorrow we'll get a new supply. Why is this true? Well, because of what Jeremiah says. Great is your faithfulness. That's what he says. Great is your faithfulness. It's quite a wonderful word. In Hebrew, it's the word emunah. In fact, in the Bible, uh, God is sometimes referred to as El. That's a form of the divine name. El emunah, which means uh, the faithful God. (laughs) That's what it means. It's an attribute or characteristic. of What kind of God is he? He's the faithful God. El emunah. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about the word emunah. When, you, when we pray, how do we close our prayers? With what word? We say amen. It comes from this word, emunah. When we close our prayer, we're essentially saying, may it be, this is true. That's what we're saying. We're confirming what we prayed about. This is true. That's what, that's what emunah means. God is true. He's faithful. You can count on him. What he said, he will do. He is El Emunah. He spoke through Jeremiah about his new loves and mercies. This promise was made to undeserving Israel. How much more us, just as undeserving perhaps. Based on God's character in words, based upon the fact that he's El Emunah, he could be trusted for these things. Now, this is an important thing to remember. Uh, God's most clear and full expression of his loves and mercies are encapsulated in the person of Jesus the Messiah. Look no further. If you want to see the evidence of God's loves and compassions, consider Jesus. In fact, in my opinion, you really cannot have the experience of God's loves and compassions apart from a personal connection to this Jesus. Therefore, we would be remiss if I didn't just offer this. Do you know him? Do you? No, 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 not about him. Do you, do you know him personally? You see, you have a personal sin problem for which you need a personal savior. And when you come to know that personal savior by an expression of your personal faith in him, then you have the experience of his personal loves and compassions, just as Jeremiah did under the most dire circumstances. Folks, uh, this isn't about going to church. This is about surviving life here and inheriting Uh, the life to come. This is about managing life. I think Jesus for sure saved us from sin, but he also saved us from the throes of life. We live here. 
we're as subject to COVID as anybody else. We're not immune to these things. Wouldn't it be great to count on a fresh supply of God's chesed love, his rachamim compassions, and his emunah faithfulness day after day. That's what happens when someone accepts Jesus as personal savior. I hope you've done so. And folks, no matter what, great is God's faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness. I was sharing with someone earlier uh, today, I really work on managing uh, the burdens of the day. You know, ministers are subject to to challenges just like everybody else is. So I'm looking for, for ways to cope, just like you. And I thought of the illustration uh, of a circle within a circle. And the inner circle is Christ. Christ, the center. This was in my mind. And the outer circle, that's just circumference. Circumference. And I decided to take time to think about what I'm thinking about in the course of a day. And I'm concluding I'm spending so much time being preoccupied uh, on the circumference that I'm forgetting about Jesus, the center. And, and I've come to the conclusion that just about everything is circumference. Politics, that's circumference. COVID, that's circumference. I didn't say these are real, aren't real issues, but good night. If I'm focusing my thoughts, if I'm becoming preoccupied too much with those things, I'm really losing sight of Christ the center. And as a result, what he has for me is of diminished value. I'm not even thinking about him. So I'm trying to discipline myself in the course of the day when I start feeling bad. That's how you figure out what you're thinking. Get in touch with what you're feeling and trace it back. All of a sudden, you know, you're feeling blue. You're not feeling so good. See if you can figure out what you're thinking at the time. For me, it's usually, oh, good night. America's not the one I grew up in. What in the world is happening? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And then I realize, well, is that the center or is that circumference? It's circumference. So then I start thinking about Christ the center, and I'm going to memorize these verses to help me to do so, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, and I'm going to reflect on these three marvelous attributes of God, his love, his compassion, his faithfulness, and then I find when I do that, it bears a different kind of emotional fruit. Hence, the Bible says the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Let me, I suggest to you, come up with some devices to kind of get your mind off of certain things and a little more on to the main thing. Jesus, Jesus is the main thing. Now, this idea of God's faithfulness was so impactful uh, to someone that he wrote a hymn about it. I think you know about it. In fact, it was first uh, presented in 1954, this very well-known hymn, at a Billy Graham crusade, which was being held in Great Britain. The words to this song were written by a very ordinary man who grew up in a log cabin, uh, uh, no formal education. His name was Thomas Chisholm, and he wrote the words to this great hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. 
I think what we ought to do is stand, if you don't mind. Let's stand right now. We're, we're going to be on our way out in a second. But let's go out with these words on our heart and in our mind. And let's try to keep a little more at bay all of the stuff that really is bringing us down and kind of quenching God's spirit within us. Let's feast instead on this truth. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, John Mark made the mistake of being with us tonight. So, John Mark... Uh, could you help me? I was going to do this on my own, which is really bad. So could you come up here and just help us get started? And I'm going to, I'll put the, we're just going to sing the chorus here. So do you mind leading us? I'd be glad to. Thank you. Let's sing together. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God bless you, folks. Go in the company of El Emunah, the God who is faithful. God bless you. See you next time.